0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today we have not one, but two amazing guests, newsy guests. We're going to break some news right here on this show. Up first today is Congressman Daryl Issa from the great state of California. We've been talking a lot on Just the News, on Just the News, Not Noise, a TV show, and on this podcast, John Solomon Reports, about the Extraordinary Pentagon IG report, one that the mainstream media is trying to hide, that revealed that the Pentagon brought at least 50 Afghan refugees into the United States on our soil. Despite derogatory information suggesting they were tied mostly to terrorism, either through fingerprints on bomb-making materials or known affiliations with terrorist groups, they got in here and got into the country because the DOD didn't screen all the databases. That is a major blunder of the Biden administration. But here's the scarier part. There are 28 of these refugees who have derogatory information in intelligence files about them that can't be located. They're in the wind here in the America, that's a scary thing, right? Well, Congressman Darrell Issa has been digging into this, investigating. He's got some news to break. He thinks the numbers are much higher. We're going to hear directly from him on that and so much more. The border. He is one of the great lawmakers focused on oversight. Whether you're in the minority or the majority, he's always doing oversight. Going back to his first term in Congress in 1990. We're going to get him here for a good long time. We're going to really ask some big questions today about the state of the border, the state of our security, our screening of Afghan refugees, and so much more. And then we're going to go down to Texas. Yep, they're almost ready for that Republican primary down in Texas. And one of the candidates for governor, one of the Republicans, who is challenging Greg Abbott, is going to be joining us, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. He's going to be here for the second half of the show. A lot to talk about. Again, he's another one on the border. He's been one of those proponents, like Senator Ron Johnson, who we've had on the show before, arguing for the ability to give doctors the right to use medicines off label and not have the interference of the CDC, the FDA and HHS and NIH like what happened in the pandemic. He wants to bring Americans' doctors back to the powers they had to choose what's best for their patients, as allowed under the law, without the interference of big government in the midst of all this. So he's going to be talking about all those things and the state of the race. Will there be a runoff? Will it be Alan West versus Greg Abbott in a runoff down the line? We don't know. A lot of people are starting to think that based on the poll numbers. Big, big story coming up on the horizon. Can't wait to see where all of that goes. All right, so that's our show. We're gonna get to a running start here. Let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Congressman Darrell Ice is gonna join us. Buck your seatbelts, there is a lot of news we're gonna cover in a short period of time, very excited. We'll be right back after this message from our great advertisers and sponsors. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Our next guest, I'm so proud to invite this show. I have been able to cover him for over the last 30 years during his two stints in Congress. He is truly... One of the members of Congress I most associate with accountability with uh, oversight. So much of Congress has lost the ability to do oversight. Congressman Darrell Issa never has. He is good, whether he's in the minority, in the majority. He's always watching out for the American taxpayer, for American security. And we're so lucky to have him on the show today. Congressman, welcome uh, from, I guess, sunny but chilly California today. Yeah?
1: Well, thank you, John. And uh, the fact is, we're getting uh, a little bit of rain here, which we need. And then I'm flying back to Washington tomorrow where we're going to get a little bit of sleep that we don't need. (laughs) Uh, But uh, that's uh, weather is not what we're here to talk about. I think we've just got to talk about what one year, slightly over one year, has done for America under Joe Biden. And. It doesn't matter what part of the globe you go to, whether it's uh, uh, Xi uh, expanding and threatening his neighbors and uh, essentially making amazing speeches about the return of the Mao era and dominance of China, or obviously current events uh, in Afghanistan and the debacle there. But most importantly, uh, the fact that the return of NATO turns out to be the return of Chamberlain's NATO, yeah. not Churchill or Reagan's NATO, not a NATO that was formed uh, to go toe to toe with uh, what is now Russia, but instead one that uh, looks to appease uh, by giving pieces of other people's countries.
0: It is stunning. And, the, you know, uh, when I think of the last 40 years for most of it, I think it's fair to say we've had a, a consistent policy of peace restraint. Maybe the Obama years there was some interruption. But the Biden administration's entire foreign policy seems to be peace through appeasement. How bad is this Russia situation? Where are we going to end up? And what's the net loss to America when it's all done?
1: Well, the net loss to America is that, and I'll paraphrase Ronald Reagan, uh, he had seen four wars in his lifetime, and he repeatedly told us that none of them were caused by being too strong he had seen those wars because we were weak that's where he came up with peace through strength which worked we are now showing weakness we showed weakness in how we left afghanistan and what we did uh, abandoning everyone we're showing weakness obviously in ukraine as we speak uh, each of these weaknesses tells the irans the uh, to be honest the Venezuelans, the cubas but more importantly the russians and the chinese That now is their time to strike because they have a weak president and you might remember Crimea was taken and the other parts that uh, uh, that Putin took of Ukraine, he took it under uh, Obama, Obama, Biden, and then waited four years before taking another piece.
0: It's just amazing. And you're right. The only two times Putin was tempted to do this was when Joe Biden was in charge of Ukraine policy back in 2014 under Barack Obama. And now when he's president, and you know, when Donald Trump was uh, the sheriff in town, none of this stuff happened. It's it's really noticeable. And I've been talking to some foreign ambassadors who are, I don't want to say this publicly because of the diplomatic room, but they're like, this is the weakest we've seen in America. We're, we're kind of embarrassed watching it. Is there anything that Republicans, the minority opposition can do to push the president, or are we riding this curve for a while until until the next election?
1: Well, we are riding some of it till the next election. John Boehner, who it does not go down in history as uh, as a great speaker in many ways, did say one thing that was profound when we lost the majority and he took over as our minority leader, which is the minority's job is not to legislate, it's to communicate. It's to communicate what is wrong so the American people can push the majority to do what's right, and obviously it, it affects the outcomes of elections. That's our job right now, to properly communicate how bad this is, how Carter-esque foreign policy is uh, how our economy. Uh, you know, one of the little facts that uh, boggles the mind is if you if you were to buy the Nasdaq composite on the day President Trump was sworn in, you not only doubled your money but you were up 130 percent in four years. Unbelievable. If you if you bought it on the first day that this president was sworn in, you were. Down as of today, you have lost money, and that doesn't include the eight percent inflation that ate away the value of your money. Uh, Now, that's the high tech stock. That's all these things that people think uh, Biden should be good on, and Trump. Well, you know, he was closing down China. He was closing down China, but championing the Chips Act that brings back the ability to make chips in America so that we don't have to have a supply chain that cuts off our auto companies so that literally you can't get, you know, there are automobiles that have been made in the United States that are sitting both in the U S and Canada waiting for the last chip so they can then ship them. And that's affecting the cost of your automobile. Uh, I know we're being very eclectic here, but the problem is in our economy at our border at other countries, borders, uh, and, and the esteem of the United States that keeps us relevant around the world all are falling off so fast that you can't look at one of them and say, well, if we just fix this. Uh, now, there are some things that are easy, and I haven't touched on it, but it's, it's one that is local to me. When I go to Long Beach or even look out the window in Oceanside, what I see are ships waiting to get unloaded, and they wait for a month or more. Now, in that month they would go they would pick up grain and other products from the United States and ship them around the world so our exports are reduced because those ships aren't unloaded and of course the imports go up in price when you double or triple uh, the cost of a shipment all of that is it's an easy fix and unloading a ship is not rocket science and all it takes is a little leadership but we haven't had it and as a result Things as simple as as unloading ships in the supply chain have broken down. And then they say, well, we're going to fix the supply chain. You fix the supply chain by by attacking things that are very easy. First, that one's easy. And this president is ignoring it, maybe because these are union stevedores but very possibly because he simply doesn't have the energy to get up in the morning the way President Trump did and work a long day. He is not seen for most of each day. Sometimes, for, as a matter of fact, he has spent more time in Delaware and Camp David than he spent in the White House. Yeah,
0: and he never shows up on time for a press conference. It's always 30 minutes to an hour, and you wonder, what's going on? What's he doing for the hour that we're waiting for him? It, it, uh, it drives people nuts. You know, you've you had, I think, one of the most important tweets in the last 24 hours. I saw this last night. It really caught my attention uh, on day one. You wrote Biden imposed tougher sanctions against American energy than on any foreign adversary. It's hard to believe that we're now a year into this, and after closing down our pipeline here in America and giving Vladimir Putin his pipeline in Europe, the payback we get from Putin is, well, more aggression in Ukraine. Um, How cataclysmic were those decisions, and, and what do we do to try to navigate for the next few months?
1: Well, it's interesting because currently, the United States is importing and paying Vladimir Putin for oil. We are buying Russian oil. Uh, and that's it's an interesting one uh, because and it's one of the reasons that President Biden told us, well, gas prices may go up, which probably suits his uh, climate agenda, but it doesn't suit the American people who are already paying nearly double for a, a stake what they paid just a year ago and approaching double what they paid at the gas pump. Uh, the fact is, if you produce in America and even export The balance of trade gets better, inflation goes down, and the American people enjoy the benefit of their own huge natural resources. And uh, the the fact is it's not just oil. It's oil. It's natural gas. But here's the one that's hidden in all of that. If you are producing vast amounts of oil in this country, one of the other things that our refineries get to do is they get to produce all these very – high value products that are refined that we either export or enjoy here domestically, that all goes away when you're a net buyer. And today we're not just a net buyer, but we're buying what the rest of the world wants. We're competing with Europe for uh, oil and gas. And as a result, not only is the price going up, but the Europeans feel they have no choice but to buy from what the late John McCain called a, a, uh, a, a gas station impersonating uh, a country because this is what Putin I is forgot that seller. line. That's right. Uh, it, you know, John McCain was known for two things, good quips on occasions yep. and an incredibly volatile temper. And I enjoyed both of them <laughs> over the years. But he he nailed it when he when he yeah, made it that right. clear. This is an exporter of natural gas and oil and other uh, raw materials. It's one of the reasons that Ukraine is so valuable to them. Ukraine is one of the breadbaskets of what was the old Soviet Union. They want that back. They want that ability to feed themselves uh, back. And, of course, the Ukrainians would like to continue selling their uh, products on the world market and enjoying the freedom that we promised them when they gave up their nuclear weapons We promised them that they would be protected. What they should have done, of course, is kept their nuclear weapons and pointed them at Moscow. Um, But it's a little late for that.
0: That was is going to turn out in history I you, you saw the president of Ukraine really remark about that that we, we were asked we were we gave up things that and asked for protection and we ended up not getting the protection it's it's a really rem, a remarkable moment because a lot of Americans forget that it was Bill Clinton who asked them to give up the nuclear weapons and assured them that we had their back and now Russia's sitting in their backyard, pretty remarkable. I want to stay on uh, national security for a second because you have been one of the most eloquent voices about border security, about vetting of refugees for a long time. And over the weekend, we had a story here in Just the News from the Pentagon IG, 50 Afghan refugees who made it onto U.S. soil have uh, known uh, what they call serious security issues, meaning most likely tied to terrorism or bomb-making fingerprints, things like that. They got in because the DOD didn't screen all the databases that the United States government had at its disposal. And then you go a little bit worse in here. 28 of those people who have derogatory information can't be located. They're gone. They're in the wind since they got here. I heard from your staff that you think the numbers may actually be substantially worse. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. When we went to uh Doha, Cutter, and we met with the commanding general that oversaw that massive exodus, including those people who pushed through the gates and got onto the plane. Uh, we all remember a few falling off, but these these were clearly not in any way vetted. We knew, and he knew, and he admitted, they could and likely did include some of the 5,000 who uh, had just been released from Bagram prison. Wow. So you, you you knew that you put over 20,000 people onto planes with all you really knew is they were young males. I repeat, they were young draft age males. Um, some of them teenagers, which meant that they were unlikely to have, quote, been interpreters for us. Some of them didn't speak English at all. So what was the skill that would have made them uh, eligible for these passports? They then arrived in a number of places, but specifically when we look at Doha, Qatar, where the Emir opened his doors and helped us uh, even sending his own airplanes. But when when they arrived there, they had 20% of them. Now that's, Countless thousands at this point, point. 20 percent of them, they had to create what they called paper passports. And a paper passport is when an interviewer says, uh, you know, in, in Afghan or Pashtun, you know, what is your name and who are you? And he answers, I am Joe Smith and uh, I live in this place and I'm a good guy. They put it all down, including what he says is his date of birth and so on. And that becomes his, quote, paper passport. We have no so idea who that person is, right? It's trust, but no yeah. verify. Yeah. And th- those people then went on with a few exceptions to the United States. Now, I say a few exception because there were at least 300 that were sent to Kosovo. And here's the reason the few that were sent to Kosovo were sent to Kosovo. Some of the Afghans pointed at these people and says, this is so-and-so, he is a bad guy. Um, and so they were able to, to catch a few, and they sent them to Kosovo. Well, I talked to the people who were, quote, working this at the State Department, and they said, well, we're vetting the people in Kosovo. I said, wait a second, You've already, these people have already been identified as bad people, and that's the reason you sent them, and what you're telling me now is, and, and by the way, that 300, if you extrapolate all the bases, it'd be, it'd be over 1,000 that went to Kosovo between the various places. Right. But when you look at that, they're now trying to get those people to us. And that's on top of, as you said, people who simply were flown here, brought to, to basically hotel rooms on bases, and some of them walked away. And of the 28 that they're admitting to, all of them are people of the kind of interests that they're likely to be conspiring against the United States right now. And what's the eventuality? The eventuality is at least one of them will succeed in something that will hurt or kill America.
0: You're really worried about that, aren't you?
1: Well, I'm almost as worried about that as I am about the 400,000 uh, people who got past our border patrol. Yep. And of the two million, the hundreds of thousands that have been released simply because they said they feared something in their home country. Our borders are so porous that, yes, I'm specifically concerned about people who were locked up at Bagram Air Base for good reason uh, and who are now in the United States. But just as easily, people have have learned that they can come to our southern border and with a, uh, a set of phrases uh, that are well known, you can look at them on the internet. they will be allowed to enter the United States. They will be given uh, a, a ticket paid for by taxpayers they 'll be sent somewhere where they can disappear or in fact just live off the uh, our our gifts because literally once you have one of these uh, uh, rules. You have the right to, to work, but you also have the right to apply for social services. Yep. And many of them are doing just that, which is one of the reasons, last point as we go around the world, the number of people working in America is dramatically less than it was on, on uh, the day uh, the COVID started. And the reason it's less is we're still not incentivizing people to go back to work. So we have a low low unemployment, but we also have low employment, which is why we have labor inflation. This isn't rocket scientists. You don't need Art Laffer, a famous economist, to tell you that if you pay people not to work, you incentivize them to stay home, and as a result, restaurants and other places don't have enough workers, that you will have inflation when people try to compete for them, especially when you've handed out money so that people are asking to eat at that restaurant. All of these are preventable but they will not be prevented until we change the direction of this administration, some of which we can do by pushing on it now, some of which and most of which we're actually going to do by taking control of one or more of the houses of Congress and pushing back on this administration.
0: Yeah, such an important moment. I want to ask about that because we we had a president that said we're giving extreme vetting to these Afghan refugees. We clearly didn't. We let bad guys into this country irrefutably. Now, we got covid conquered. No, we didn't. Uh, and and then we have a closed border. He keeps saying we our borders closed and yet we know two million people streamed across it, maybe two and a half million when if republicans get control of, of the congress in this next election if that happens what is the most likely way that the republican congress takes control of these issues and tries to stop the president what, what's the tools that you would recommend republicans use to to put a stop to this
1: well there are 12 pieces of legislation that pass every single year and that's the various parts of appropriation every year we fund the government how we fund the government and what, using it as a tool to insist that this administration do certain things uh, is critical. We have the ability to say no funds will be used for, for example, no funds will be used uh, to provide any transportation or accommodation to people entering the country and presenting themselves uh, as, as refugees. Right. We will, you know, the president has been ordered to reestablish the uh, remain in Mexico that he illegally stopped, and he's just not doing it. Well, when we control the budget, uh, we can make it very clear uh, in no uncertain terms that Border Patrol and ICE have that authority. In other words, we can overrule his his executive absence. And the Border Patrol understands that they're paid to return them and they will not be paid to keep them. Uh, So remain in Mexico could be reestablished overnight. That changes the incentive for people from all these other countries to come here. And remember, we have a relationship with Mexico where they already take back Mexicans. That means we'd have a round trip for everyone presenting themselves at the border and you'd stop having people being released and disappearing into uh, our society. We can do that using those 12 tools, uh, which are appropriations. Now, that's not the only tool, but that's one of the most powerful because ultimately purse string is the absolute right of of the Congress, and we have to use it. There are some other ones we have, which, of course, is subpoena and the authority to bring people before Congress and ask for answers. Uh, One of them, of course, is now that we've had uh, actual indictments and we we know that this administration, after it was sworn in and Hillary Clinton during the campaign, in fact, paid for and continued to promote the idea that the last president, President Trump, was somehow colluding with uh, the Russians when, in fact, they were the ones doing it. That kind of investigation needs to continue going forward. Uh, you know, currently Nancy Pelosi thinks the only thing that matters is January 6th and basically indicting the president of the United, former president of the United States. I happen to think that the actions of this government uh, to try to frame this president and the actions of hillary clinton still need to be understood by the american people because it, it is a real risk uh to our democracy and and i and i can't put it more succinctly than this the terribleness of people breaking down the Capitol, which i was in doing my constitutional duty right. we can't ignore we can't ignore that and we nope. can't fail shouldn't. to punish those people we shouldn't but We know that if if you're using misinformation to, to affect elections, that that will tear down your democracy, just as Putin and other dictatorships have always done. It is a greater threat to us than somebody trying to take my life or change my vote. And so as much as I I intend on seeing that uh, people who who damaged the capital, who broke in, uh, are held accountable. I'm also looking to hold people accountable that burned banks in La Mesa, California, that took over uh, federal buildings and stopped actions in Seattle and Portland, because rule of law is important. That is something that we can begin to push back on. Here's the last one. When we retake control, We are going to make it very clear that law and order and supporting people's uh, freedom to be safe in their homes is a basic tenet. And the idea that AOC has that we have to defund law enforcement is going to be pushed back in no uncertain way. And quite frankly, I don't I think Obama, uh, Biden uh, didn't do that bad a job. They basically did nothing. But Biden has sat there and defunded. Uh, And demoralize both the military and the police around the country, and it has to stop.
0: Yeah, and and ICE and uh, CPB among them on the border. I mean, the. I I talked to more border patrol agents today that are more uh, uh, disappointed that they can't follow the law uh, than at any time in my 30 years in Washington. Just crazy. Well, one thing I'm certain of, sir, if you get into the majority, there is going to be some pretty serious oversight. I watched you do it all through the 90s and 2000s, and uh, I think America's craving that. We need to get answers and get truth from, uh, uh, from underneath this, sometimes recalcitrant government. And I know you do it as well as anyone has ever done it in Congress. So we're grateful for that.
1: Well, it's an honor to do it. My predecessor was an appropriator and and I've studied appropriations, uh, but I never wanted to be the guy trying to figure out how to spend the American people's money. I wanted to be the one who said, you know, are we spending it wisely? Are we getting the value? Are we getting cheated? Uh, because I thought that the being the auditor of of proper use of government and proper expenditure was much more important than sitting there trying to dole it out to whoever comes in the door. Uh, And that that doesn't mean I want to show too much disdain, because some of what is done is very important, figuring out the, the weapon systems that our military needs to win and not have to fight the next war. These are important. But i 'll never forget uh, early on in my tenure, we discovered that uh, the Air Force had spent a billion dollars on a software package to keep track of parts you know the, you know procurement of, yeah, of parts right? now, for a fraction of that, there were already packages that did that. You could buy basically a vendor instead, they were making theirs from scratch and after over a billion dollars, they shut down the program, said we failed now that was very similar to the VA, which did that multiple times on healthcare, care, and you start looking and saying, the real problem wasn't the writing off of the billion dollars, that was terrible, but how about the billions and billions and billions of dollars of parts that we're, we don't have good software to keep track of, yeah. how about those men and women who served our country who there's no software to keep track of their records, and so they end up dying of PTSD because they're not getting treated, they're not getting and they're treated. not even getting no. accounted. So for me, I have a passion to make sure government works better. And I understand that I will never have government working as well as the private sector. But I can certainly get it to not work so badly that it doesn't work at all. And that's, that's my passion in Congress.
0: Yeah. Well, you have executed it well for many years. And if you get back in the majority, we know there will be a lot of work to do. And, sir, it's always an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for spending so much time. I, we learned a lot of stuff today. It was really great.
1: Well, we went around the world that and had a lot did. of problems. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we know that Biden's uh, fingers on every one of them, including our importing oil instead of exporting it.
0: Yeah, such important lessons to be learned and not to be, not to be repeated, I'll tell you that.
1: Well, sir, thank
0: you so much. We'll get you back on the show real soon. Okay, look forward to it. Thank take you, care. sir. All righty, Bye. All right, folks, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're gonna take you down to Texas and a quick look at the governor's race here. Some amazing developments going on there. We'll be right back after this commercial break. And protect your most important asset, the equity in your
1: home. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door.
0: All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As promised, a very special guest, a former congressman, a longtime serving member of our armed forces and now running for governor of Texas. Joining me right now is retired Colonel Alan West. Colonel, good to have you on.
2: John, it's very special. Thanks for having me.
0: It is an amazing thing. We're about a week out from Election Day, so it's a very exciting time in Texas. I know you're very busy. I want to take you to the place where you are most always been talking about, and that is the southern border. Give us your current uh, update on what you think the state of the southern border is.
2: Well, it's in in disrepair. The the state of Texas and our border is is wide open. No one is doing anything to protect us. Uh, The Biden administration has advocated its constitutional duty and responsibility the border patrol are handing over illegal immigrants to non-governmental organizations like catholic charities and lutheran ministries who are getting federal grant money to process illegals and they are putting them on buses and planes as we well know the uh, ice agents are not deporting illegals there was a 70 percent drop in deportations when there was an incredible increase of uh, apprehensions of illegals we're talking about in the millions Uh, We know that the cartels continue to push the fentanyl across the border. The number one killer for 18 to 45-year-olds is fentanyl. And Texas is the number one state for human sex trafficking. Houston and Dallas are the top two cities in the country for sex trafficking. So nothing is going in the right direction. And Governor Abbott has really just put forth a lot of political optics and rhetoric, but nothing has happened. You can arrest people for trespassing, but uh, they get released. And the next thing you know, they're out on the streets. Our National Guard is looking at unionizing themselves because of the deplorable conditions that he has put them on.
0: That is one of the more amazing things. So there's a lot of, you know, statements, a lot of political statements about what the governor is doing. But you've done a good job drilling down and finding out the gap between the words and the actual actions. So when you look at his plan, where are the inadequacies, inadequacies? What would you do different to really make sure that the border was tightened up?
2: Well, first of all, I take control of the border. I create a border control zone, which would put Highway 90, which is the northern boundary, the river to the southern boundary. We've already got the designated sectors from the El Paso sector all the way up to the Rio Grande Valley sector. And you deploy your troops on a rotational basis down there, and you put them on the major infiltration routes. You give them the right equipment, the right uh, amounts of ammunition, the right mission, task and purpose, and rules of engagement to be able to protect themselves. You've got to uh, revoke the licenses of these non-governmental organizations. You designate the cartels as for what they are. They're not a business organization, they're a terrorist organization. And then you go after their resources, their assets here in the state of Texas. You freeze it and you seize it, seize those assets, use it for your own border security fund. And then also we stop the uh, the uh, giving of taxpayer funded benefits to the people that are here illegally. But without a doubt, we have to take control to arrest, detain, and deport because the federal government is not doing it.
0: Yeah, it really isn't. And uh, and the numbers are gonna be even more devastating this year. Two million was enough last year, but the numbers are trending up way past that this year, which is, oh, is oh, frightening.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. It is is beyond frightening when you talk to the people that live down there along the border Uh, They're afraid every night. No one goes out at night unless they're armed. They're afraid to go out on their own property. They don't allow the children to go out. People are banging on their doors, asking for their cell phones to be charged or for food and water. So this this is not an immigration issue, John. Uh, uh, This is an invasion. And that's how we have to see it according to the language in the Constitution.
0: Yeah. Now, the attorney general of Arizona has declared that the circumstances meet the definition of invasion under the Constitution. So he's given the okay in Arizona. Do you think Texas should follow suit? Are you surprised that Texas hasn't followed suit sooner?
2: I'm very disturbed that Texas has not taken the lead on this. We have the largest share of the border, 1,254 miles, yep. and you would think that this would be something that our attorney general and our governor would be doing. You know, it's time for us to move beyond filing lawsuits and writing letters and all of this type of stuff and pointing fingers at the Biden administration. The Constitution, Article One, Section 10, Clause Number 3, gives us the ability uh, to – to do what is necessary if actually invaded when there's imminent danger without any admit of delay. And the federal government is supposed to protect guarantee clause, Article four, Section Four, supposed to protect every state in the Union from invasion. They're not doing it. So the Constitution gives us the enumerated power to do so. Yeah,
0: there's no doubt. And Arizona's opinion last or a couple of weeks ago clearly has uh, gotten that issue to the forefront. Now we're going to see if people execute on it. Um, I want to talk about COVID-19. You, you've had a, a pretty robust plan and how, uh, first of all, analysis of how we got it wrong and then a plan to do it. When you see someone like Senator Ron Johnson, uh, who is now got the freedom to choose legislation to give doctors the ability to go back and use off labels the way they used to before the pandemic. Do you feel there's some momentum towards the the very issues you were talking about, taking the shackles off of doctors and letting them do their job without federal bureaucrats getting in the way?
2: Well, absolutely right. And I think, once again, we got to go back to the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8. It lays down the duties and responsibilities of the federal government. And I do not see protect uh, our health it's one of those duties and responsibilities they are supposed to protect our rights, and our medical freedom is, a, is an important part of that. If you can't have control over your body, what do you have control over? But I think here in the state of Texas, we need to do what is necessary. Uh, we've been calling for Governor Abbott to bring about a special session to pass legislation to uh, against vaccine mandates. He has not done so. So I think one of the critical things we have to look at our Texas Medical Board, Nursing Board, Pharmacy Board, and we gotta make sure that we have people in those bureaucracies that are there to serve the citizens of Texas and not come up with these rules and regulations and these edicts and mandates that are prohibiting Texans from being able to go out and select their own treatments, protocols, and therapies that they want.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing that we're this far into the pandemic and some of the basics are still, still not uh, right. The biggest lesson when you when you step back and you look at this last two years and all of the freedoms we've lost uh, and all of the zigzagging we did under Anthony Fauci, what what do we need to do different? What needs to be fixed in this system to make sure the next time a virus hits America, we're we're better prepared?
2: Well, this is about leadership. It's not about people that are seeking, as Rob Emanuel said, never let a good crisis go to waste, because it became about power and control the fact that we're still are having these debates about kids being masked in schools what does randy weingarten the, the head of the teachers union uh, have to do with masking of kids that's not her expertise uh and so we've got to get all of these folks that are looking for the power grab out of it but i believe that what you saw happen in virginia is a great example of what's going to start happening across the country because uh folks want to make sure that they have the leadership that is going to protect their rights, and especially their medical freedom, their educational freedom, the right for parents to be able to decide what's best for their children. So Virginia is without a doubt, I think, the, uh, the canary in the coal mine of what's going to happen politically in the United States of America. And, and again, it comes down to leadership.
0: Yeah, no, it does, and you can see in just a few short weeks what Governor Youngkin's been able to do now that he has the reign of power. Things are changing in Virginia in a big way, and there's no stopping it. It's a, It's got an avalanche going. As you, I want to take you to the northern border just for a second. Obviously, southern border is where the crisis yeah. is. But looking at what the Trudeau administration has done to peaceful protests to free speech, I mean, Canada was one of the models of of, of free speech and freedom, right alongside the United States, the North American model. Could you ever imagine a moment that we, a few years ago that we'd be living in a place where emergency powers are being imposed simply to put down a peaceful protest?
2: No, I would not. And think about this, if. President Trump had done what Trudeau uh, is is doing when yeah. it was all of the BLM and Antifa uh, people out there burning buildings and you know killing police officers and creating the chaos and havoc and violence. The left would have been going apoplectic right yeah. now. But yet, when it's one of their own and it is an ideological agenda that they do not want to see advanced, then it's okay to take these violent actions. But what is so really disconcerting, John, is that he's going after people's bank accounts. How can you go after people's bank accounts when they were out there peacefully protesting? I know in the Constitution, in the United States of America, that people have the right to peaceably assemble and the right to petition their government for redress of grievances. If we ever go down that path in America, uh, I think that you're going to see something very different as, as a result. But I am really concerned that our neighbors to the north have gone down the path of Marxism, socialism, and communism
0: yeah no there's the, the the it's on a daily basis i see people's jaws dropped to say is this really the america we want to live in or the north america we want to live in it's a, a yeah. moment of extraordinary uh reflection inflection and a call for action i think too speaking of action you're you're in the governor's race we're in the final stretch tell us why the polls are moving what are you seeing in the polls and in the everyday voters that you're greeting uh and what what why to predict for election day
2: Well, I will tell you that the number one issue when you travel across Texas is the border, Uh, not just for the folks in the border communities, it's all across Texas, because they know about the proliferation of the drug trafficking crisis, the human and sex trafficking, and the public health issue. Uh, We're very encouraged by the polling that we have had uh, going into this final week. Uh, without a doubt, we believe that there will be a, a runoff between myself and Governor Abbott, and that runoff would be May the 24th. And, and I think it just goes to show that if you don't stand on principles, if you don't stand on the Constitution, it doesn't matter that you got 60 or $66 million in the bank. The people want someone that's going to stand up and represent them and stand on the side of the rule of law.
0: Yeah, the polls are tightening up, and that, that possibility of, of him only getting a plurality and going to a runoff has become very real, and people are discussing it. And the closing days, what is the question you want voters to ask before they go into the ballot box and, and vote?
2: I want them to look at uh, myself and Governor Abbott and everyone else and, and just say, who has always stood on freedom's ramparts to protect you? And I think that's my background. My father served in World War II in a segregated army. My father-in-law served 24 years. He did two combat tours in Vietnam. My older brother was a Marine in Vietnam. My nephew right now is a Lieutenant Colonel in the army. That's our family business to serve, to sacrifice and to commit to this great nation. And now to the state of Texas.
0: Yeah, it's an amazing legacy that your family has laid down of sacrifice and public service. It's uh, it's downright inspiring. Last question, as you look around, a lot of people say under the during the Abbott years, there's a lot of Florida envy that Governor Abbott seems to watch what DeSantis does and then tries to mimic it. Is that really a true din- dynamic is an unfair thing to say about Texas or, or uh, is, the, is the DeSantis model becoming contagious around the country?
2: Well, I think that without a doubt, people see Governor Abbott as a as a weather vane uh, type of leader. As a matter of fact, Texas Monthly did a, a cover story on him in January and had his face on a weather vane. But about a month <laughs> ago, there was an article. There was an article in Newsweek magazine, and the title of that article was "Welcome to Florida, Courtesy of Ron DeSantis, the New Texas." So even people uh, yeah. nationally are not seeing Texas as the preeminent constitutional conservative state in the United States of America. And I want to restore that.
0: Yeah, such an important dynamic. And there have been a lot of chatter about it. Colonel West, it's always an honor to have you on the show. And we wish you luck in the final week. I know it's a big election week coming up. And uh, we're going to be keeping a close eye at it here at Just the News.
2: Thanks, John. I look forward to chatting with you again.
0: Absolutely, sir. Thanks again. Have a good week. God bless. You as well. All right, folks. Going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back in a few minutes.
1: Find Love at First Drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Pretty much a lot of news in there. I'll tell you, I um, uh, the stuff that Congressman Issa said is still rattling in my head. So much to think about there. And again, uh, when you listen to Colonel West, uh, Alan West... common sense approach of what he's talking about is what so many Americans are talking about there seems to be a real desire a real focus a real push to do common sensing not to be so one-size-fits-all not to have cancel culture and I think Alan West really strikes that chord of getting back to common sense things that we can all agree on regardless of our political stripe. so we're really really grateful for that you know one thing we could all agree on here at John Solomon Reports and at Just the News is that we have an amazing group of partners and sponsors and advertisers. And their support, their partnership with us, makes all the things that we do possible. Like this podcast, you like the TV show at night on Just the News, Not Noise on Real America's Voice, or you like the daily news feed, that email you get in your box, the digging tool where all of our documents and video and audio that back up a story is, are stored. We. Can't do it unless we have amazing partners. And one of those amazing partners is the Birch Gold Group. We had Patrick Phillips on yesterday. He's really, I'll tell you, he's brought a lot to this show because if you've been listening to the show for the last year, every month he's come on, he has leaned into the economy. And every month, his predictions, his warning signs, his what to look for lists, right on the money. You can't get that anywhere. You have to have a true expert Well, Birch Gold Group does a lot for all of us in the Just the News community. One of the things they do is they make it easy for you to learn about how to build gold into your retirement portfolio. A lot of people don't know that you can use precious metals in an IRA that's qualified or a 401k that's qualified. So I wanted to open up the door for that for you guys. And they have an amazing offer. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to do anything. Just get a simple guide. It's a 20-page guide. I got it. It opened my eyes up. I'm in the process of converting some of my 401k to gold because the market looks so uncomfortable right now. There is a lot of volatility in the market. I do not like where it's headed. So we have set up a special way, a simple, simple way for you to get this booklet, learn and maybe get in and make a change like I'm doing tomorrow. One of my IRAs or my 401ks right now. So, to learn how to protect your savings with physical precious metals, mostly gold, right? All you have to do is text the word just news, one word just news to the number 989898. So 98 98 98. Just text just news to 98 98 98 right now, and Birch Gold Group will send you a no cost, no obligation info kit. It is an amazing packet. I learned so much. It takes about 10 minutes to really read and comprehend it, and you are smart. And in this market where there seems to be a big bubble in the stock market, real estate could be crashing down as well. We got a lot of inflated prices. The values of companies are sometimes way beyond their current revenues this comprehensive 20 page guide reveals how you can convert your ira or eligible 401k into gold and silver all under the umbrella of a tax sheltered account so you get the tax savings you're just putting gold in there to give you some protection to give you some sturdiness to give you some value as maybe some of your stocks and other investments go down in this very difficult economic time all you got to do to get that going so just read it just get get Here's what you got going to do. Text the word Just News. Go to your phone, go to your text messages, go to 989898. That's the address you text. And just text the word Just News, one word in there. You're going to get the book sent to you and you're going to be up and running in no time. All right, we're going to have a lot of fun the rest of this week. I'll be heading to CPAC down in Orlando, Florida, and Just the News, Not Noise, my show with the great Amanda Head. We're going to be broadcasting live from there Thursday and Friday. We're going to break some news. If you want to vote for the Ravies, that award of someone who had a bad week in Washington, go to www.thehollywoodconservative.us. That is Amanda's site. Go vote. Click on the vote for Ravi. Pick the person you think most deserves to be honored by this kind of non-distinguished award. And of course, tonight, if you're going to go to the show on Real America's Voice, 6 o'clock Eastern time, Bill O'Reilly going to be joining us. He's just on this podcast. We loved him. Matt Schlapp, the head of the CPAC, going to be telling us what to expect there. Colonel Rob Manis, one of the great national security experts, going to talk about Russia, Ukraine, what Biden got right, what Biden got wrong. And Congressman Ralph Norman from the great state of South Carolina, one of the more important members of the Freedom Caucus in the House. That's our show on TV. That's worth checking out. All you got to do is go to Real America's Voice, Channel 219 on Dish Network, Channel 240 on Pluto. Download the Real America's Voice app or the Just the News app from the iOS and in Google Android stores, and you can watch it on the TV tab. Many ways to watch the great show. I'm honored to be with my great friend and great journalist colleague, Amanda Head, check it out and go to her website, HollywoodConservative.us, right now. Vote for the Ravis. Have your vote count. We can't wait to see that happen. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. We're excited about that. We'll be back tomorrow with some more breaking news and some great interviews. I believe the former National Security Advisor John Bolton will be right on this show. We're going to talk about Russia, Ukraine, The Trump doctrine, the foreign policy doctrine of Donald Trump and how it compares to the Biden, I don't think there is a doctrine yet, but the Biden chaos, all of that in tomorrow's great show. You're going to want to check that out for sure. Until then, may God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country, the United States you've been listening to. John Solomon reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite.